This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel does a number on node names. Cornelis forges a new Omnipath. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by Tiffany Trader of HPC Wire. And Tiffany, this week in HPC, we had an Intel accelerated event brought to us by Pat Gelsinger and team from Intel in which they introduced new nomenclature for how they're naming their nodes going forward, moving away from the number of nanometers, which was becoming increasingly obscure as to what exactly was being measured. Now we have a simplified, but perhaps a little more obscure way of referring to all of the nodes going forward. Yeah, so we've got new node names as well as some substantive details about their process and packaging roadmaps out to the 2025 horizon. And, you know, starting on the process side, you know, you were just saying about the, this change of node names. It was reminding me we talked recently, we did a podcast on it about the IBM 2 nanometer R&D and how increasingly we're seeing the the industry node names. They've departed from their roots where the node name actually matched something physical, which back in the day was the actual gate length feature uh, to the right. point now, yeah, to the point now where the, the names have no, no, no physical tie uh, to the die. Yeah, I, I hypothesized in that podcast about what I thought the two nanometer referred to. I was wrong. It doesn't refer to anything. There's nothing on that chip that's actually two nanometers. So I was uh, shooting in the dark on that one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some very vague general um, re representation of a bundling of performance that's some measure better than the preceding generation. You know, the smaller is better than than larger. Uh, that's about where we're at, and and possibly some some kind of uh, larger unification amongst the, the industry. But we'll leave so that. So we're to at Intel topic. 10 nanometer now. Where are we going yep. from here? Yeah. So. The, uh, we, yeah, with that, with that as preamble, um, Intel's new naming structure starts with the node that comes after the 10 nanometer superfin, which is used uh, for Ponte Vecchio. The node after that one is where the, the fun starts here. That uh, th this this node was that was previously known as known as 10 nanometer enhanced superfin. It will now be known as Intel 7. Uh, interestingly, it's also previously been referred to as 10 nanometer plus plus and 10 nanometer plus 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 so this is its its fourth its fourth name um and this is uh this is called now called intel 7 it is um we can think of it as a uh, sapphire rapids it's what sapphire rapids will be based on that of course is the aurora cpu referring to the aurora supercomputer at argon and this one this intel 7 is supposed to be in production in the first quarter of 2022 and then after that, there's the Intel 4, which used to be called 7 nanometer. It's where Intel fully embraces EUV, extreme ultraviolet lithography. Um, it is due in the second half of 2022, uh, going into 2023 with shipping. And then there's an Intel 3 for the back half of 23. Um, and then there's another fun shift to the uh, to the angstrom era do you do you want to uh, 
take it from there? Yeah, from Intel 3, we go to Intel 20A, which is the beginning of what they're calling the Angstrom era. That'll be first half of 2024. And that they're really previewing as a watershed moment. They use those exact words in the uh, webcast with Ann Kelleher and Pat Gelsinger. They're introducing two major new features there. One is a uh, ribbon fit design with an all-around gate based on nano ribbon. And then there's also a power via technology that moves the power delivery to the backside of the chip and separates it from the transistor gates in order to uh, uh, basically enhance the communication uh, throughout the chip. They even previewed that after 20A, they'll go down to an 18A in 2025, although they weren't giving away any details on the 18A at this time. Now, the interesting thing with these names is that it essentially becomes a sense of positioning. The Intel 7, while they're not calling it 7 nanometer and they've removed the nanometer from the name, it appears that what they want you to do is compare that to other people's 7 nanometer chips. And likewise with Intel 4 and 4 nanometer, Intel 3 and 3 nanometer, and down to the Intel 20A, which they're not saying is 20 angstroms, but I suppose it's supposed to be a evocative of a 20 angstrom which would be two nanometer chip and and this is all part of intel's play to uh, achieve process parity with its competitors by 2024 it says and uh, and leadership to regain its leadership position in 2025 and by competitors we're referring to tsmc and samsung who are the only other companies making leading edge nodes since uh, Global Foundries dropped its 7 nanometer development. Uh, since there's no physical relationship anymore between the node sizes, um, company to company either, you know, one company's 7 nanometer is not equal to another's. Uh, in the case of Intel versus TSMC, for example, which you were just kind of alluding to, uh, it's widely thought, widely held that T Intel's, TM, uh, Intel's 10 nanometer was roughly equivalent to TSMC's 7 nanometer. So like you were saying, I think Intel's trying to adjust to show um, a little bit more of what it thinks is our apples to apples. And there are real improvements in each of these chips going from the Intel 10 nanometer, which is still called 10 nanometer, and they're not changing that, to the Intel 7. They're calling that a full node improvement, the 10 to 15 percent. Uh, improvement in transistor performance per watt with uh, faster moving electrons and better energy control, improved power delivery. And that's the one that we're looking at for Sapphire Rapids in the data center space. I didn't see the performance per watt improvements going from 7 to 4, but then from Intel 4 to Intel 3, they were again talking about another 18% transistor performance per watt uh, improvement, which they're saying is uh, more than what you'd get in a in a standard node improvement, in addition to things like the um, uh, increased use of uh, of EUV for that chip. Yeah, from seven to four, they are claiming a twenty percent performance uh, per watt gain, and pretty much claiming significant advances there. You know, from from node to node, as you just pointed out. They're also uh, they also filled in some details on their packaging roadmaps out to 2024, 2025 as well, falling onto the EMIB and Fovros advanced packaging technologies to support the integration of of, of devices into a unified package. Um, there are two more generations of 
EMIB uh, coming, and I'm going to say what that uh, EMIB stands for, Embedded Multi-Die Interconnect Bridge. Um, so there's two more generations on the EMIB side and then two more on the FOVRO side, and those are... And on the FOVRO side, um, there's also um, uh, FOVRO's Omni, which is the third generation, and uh, a companion technology called FOVRO's Direct. These are pretty interesting. Um, together, they enable the integration of multiple disaggregated top tiles with multiple base tiles across mix, mixed uh, fab nodes, as well as through the FOVRO's Direct, new, they enable new concepts for functional die partitioning as well, um, so 3D uh, stacking, and saying that will provide the ability to have multi-level cache for on-dice logic stacking at a very low latency and without um, an additional power penalty. And we also heard about the uh, Ponte Vecchio GPU specifically, which Ann Kelleher referred to clearly as the GPU. I think sometimes it's been, they've talked about it as a processor, they talk about it as an accelerator. It was referred to in the presentation specifically as a GPU, but that Ponte Vecchio uh, GPU will be the Intel's first uh, processor that is powered by um, the uh, EMIB and the second generation uh, Fovros technology. So it is integrated in all of that. Pat Gelsinger uh, referred back to his, uh, his his first big announcement with Intel and the IDM 2.0 strategy for uh, manufacturing and, and really uh, was highlighting how this all plays into that and uh, and the foundry services and, and some of their customers and partners that are coming coming up out of the gate. Yeah, touching back to what you we were saying about Ponte the Ponte Vecchio GPU being the first product to use both the EMIB and second generation Fovros uh, Sapphire Rapids, which is of course the companion inside that Aurora machine, that is now an Intel 7 product and it will be the first Intel Xeon data center product to ship in volume with EMIB and there's some advances um, with bump size, uh, Micron, the bump hitch in the EMIB and the Ponte Vecchio are, are coming coming down with uh, successive generations. But uh, going back to the Intel Foundry services, yeah, there's some some traction there for this Foundry services approach, part of the larger IDM 2.0 strategy that they announced back in March. So uh, this week they've announced cust new, uh, customers, their first customers uh, with Amazon Web Services and Qualcomm. And AWS is the first customer to use IFS packaging solutions, while Qualcomm will be a partner on the future 20A process technology. And there was a lot in this set of announcements, and it's more than we're going to be able to really run down in a podcast, but you've got an excellent article on HPC Wire that has a lot of the details. From an analyst perspective, the shift in naming, I mean, it's hard for me to get excited about it. it used to be called this, and now it's going to be called that. I see what they're doing from a marketing strategy to say, we want you to compare this with this, even though we're not saying 7 nanometer, we're calling it Intel 7 or, or 3 or 20 a in order to to uh, to be evocative, going all the way out to 18a. The list of announcements at the detail level is actually quite good, and I think is worthy of paying attention to how it will uh, catch up Intel to its competition. Of course, remains to be seen. You have to get back to execution, and that's something that Pat was very clear on in his uh, in his first uh, set of web announcements. Uh, the the roadmap is great, but you got to go execute to it. 
and we're going to continue to track that going forward. Also, this week in HPC, related to products that originally came from Intel, uh, Cornelis is in the news now. Cornelis Networks has picked up the future of Omnipath. Omnipath, of course, being the uh, system level interconnect designed under Intel, and Intel had sort of shelved the development of it going forward. Uh, there were a lot of HPC customers out there who were interested in Omnipath, and now it has a future again with Cornelis Networks. Cornelis has a roadmap for Omnipath, and they're also looking to, to announce a significant what they're calling a significant refresh called Omnipath Express. They're saying that's coming later this year. So we'll probably be looking for that around the time of uh, supercomputing in November. So Cornelis, um, which, you know, I don't think we've, we've really talked too much about them on the podcast before us, but it's pretty interesting play here. They formed last September as a spin out of Intel's Omnipath division. And so now the, the new, the new folks there, many of whom are ex Intel have been making the, the virtual conference rounds to, to, sh to showcase the technology and, and talk about what's become what's to come. And the, the company is led by a co-founder and CEO, Phil Murphy. Um, he was previously a director at Intel and he's also, um, been part of, uh, the um, QLogic group and the OpenIB Alliance, which became the Open Fabrics Alliance, which is going to play into a little bit of what we're going to talk about. So he was at the Supergaming Frontiers Europe recently and providing a brief uh, update on the Omnipath uh, portfolio um, and uh, gave some, some interesting uh, highlights as to, to what's coming up. And we're going to get to some of those announcements here from Cornelis. First, a quick shout out to the Supercomputing Frontiers Europe Conference. I participated in that. I was privileged to uh, moderate a panel on some global perspectives in HPC. I thought it was an excellent conference, and there's some great material online from that. Now, Cornelis, we've been aware of in this space that they had spun out from Intel and have some interesting opportunities because in as much as Omnipath didn't really hit huge volumes from Intel to where Intel wanted to continue it within HPC, it does have pockets of usage. And in our most recent survey, we found over 20% of HPC sites that we surveyed had at least some presence of Omnipath in their sites. And, uh, and there are, are major supercomputing centers who were going with all Intel environments that are, that are built on Omnipath. So there is a base there for them to build on, particularly because we've seen the acquisition of Mellanox by NVIDIA, which kind of puts in, uh, InfiniBand into the NVIDIA camp in some ways. Uh, so, it, you know, it's not that it's a proprietary NVIDIA technology, but if you're looking at building an Intel system or an AMD system, and then uh, if anyone's viewing uh, the uh, Mellanox InfiniBand as an, as an NVIDIA technology, it sets up an interesting dynamic and opportunity for Omnipath where I think people are going to be listening. And uh, as you were saying, they're out they're making a presentation talking about the upcoming Omnipath Express and some of their benchmarks. Yeah, and to your point, you know, that's one of the things that Cornelis emphasizes is that its its technology is independent and vendor agnostic and not tied uh, technically technically or commercially to a specific processor or accelerator technology and you know that that we'll, we'll see how this plays out but that could you know that could be one of the things that pro provides them an opening so we're talking about their upcoming roadmap and they are still shipping the omnipath 100 uh, opa 
products, those that were developed under Intel, and they are planning to launch their 400 gigabits per second products late next year with broader availability slated for the first quarter of 2023. Uh, and that OPA, interesting, that OPA 400 product will support bifurcation to 200 gigabits per second, and, and it's similar to how uh, Mellanox does that, where you can you can split up the, the 200 into into two 100s. Um, and then there's all there are also 800 uh, solutions farther out on the roadmap. Um, gone from the roadmap, though, is the OPA 200 product that had previously been promised by Intel. You'll recall at one point that that's played significantly into the very first Aurora uh, contract, um, Aurora 18. Um, however, Cornelis is, uh, is working on uh, what it says is a significant enhancement to that OPA 100 product, which is called Omnipath Express or OPX, and it involves an upgrade to the software stack, which is the addition of host software that supports open uh, something called Open Fabrics Interfaces, or OFI, and that is developed under the Open Fabrics Alliance. And so Cornelis is showing some some benchmarks for Omnipath Express in comparing that with the previous Omnipath. And you can see those benchmarking slides uh, and, and the improvements that they're showing um, in for messaging rate and latency improvements in, um, in our article on HPC Wire. And also in that same article, you can see a competitive benchmark overview between dual rail Omnipath versus InfiniBand HDR. And that was something that the Omnipath team talked about at another virtual conference, which was the Rocky Mountain RMACC uh, HPC symposium that was held a couple months ago. So I thought those those were um, you know some some notable some 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 notable traction there and some things that we'll be looking for from the Omnipath Express uh, announcement when they have that. And you know they also have an interesting lineage too uh, with. Uh, the, the portfolio drawing from investments made by the Open Fabrics Alliance and QLogic and Cray Aries and, of, of course, the um, Intel Omnipath project most recently. Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting roadmap and a critical one. First of all, in terms of skipping the 200 and going right to the 400, I think that's something they just have to do because uh, InfiniBand has been out there talking about 400. And just like we were talking about Intel with its roadmap and you have to execute to it and catch up, that's where Cornelis is going to find itself. And uh, Mellanox with InfiniBand has a heritage now of maintaining a steady drumbeat of speed and latency improvements, bandwidth and latency improvements, uh, in order to stay ahead of Ethernet. And Cornelis is going to find that it has to be able to do the same thing in order to remain relevant in the high-performance interconnect conversation. Um, that's going to be critical for them to uh, to start hitting those um, hitting those delivery schedules. I think um, uh, there will be a lot of interest in it. People are going to be watching, uh, and uh, and getting that roadmap out there is an important first step. So something we're absolutely going to continue to track as analysts. Yeah, we're going to keep looking at it. All right, Tiffany, thanks for helping me wrap up these stories. Uh, our listeners can get more of the details out on HPC Wire. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.